Hey all, it's me, John Pritchard. On September 29th of this year, Rob Halford, the metal god, famed frontman of Judas Priest, released his autobiography, entitled Confess. Over the past few weeks, my friend Dave and I read it. It's a breezy read, only 360 pages, and there's very little fat in there. It's a lean, fun read. I have to give Dave the credit for this episode. Confess was on my radar, but Dave suggested that we could do a show out of it. So that's what you're about to hear. Dave and I discussing our thoughts on Halford's memoir. And if it isn't obvious already, it will be shortly. Dave and I are not professional book reviewers or anything like that. This isn't really a review at all. That said, if you have any interest in metal, priest, or the gay experience, I highly recommend Confess. It's well worth your time, not least for maybe being a little atypical from the usual groupie-filled narrative. Also, again, this is just a conversation. I cringe sometimes listening to myself after an episode where I've really worked out ahead of time my thoughts about what I'm going to be talking about. So you can imagine how I feel about what is mainly an off-the-cuff conversation here. At the very least, that should partially explain the awkward transitions, including where we leave the book altogether, to discuss our new favorite podcast, the awesome Get Your Rocks Off with Mick Wall and John Hotton, whose name we forgot. So, without further ado, I really enjoyed my talk with Dave, and that conversation is coming up next after the best part of Well Disguised. Well, in this episode of Well Disguised, my friend Dave is back. Dave, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, and so we're not all rock and roll here, or at least we're not all music here, but maybe we are all rock and roll music. But this one's not going to be about an album or actual songs. David and I have both read Rob Halford's autobiography, Confess. We did not get advanced copies, or at least I did not get an advanced copy. Did you get one, Dave? I did not. I, I purchased it. So we actually both purchased it, and that's why our review show here is probably about two months after it came out, because we're <laughs> both middle-aged men with jobs and stuff, and it takes a little while for us to get around to it. But we've both read uh, Rob Halford's autobiography. I enjoyed it a lot, and we're going to talk about that. But Dave, I know you've read a lot of rock and roll books. I've read a lot of rock and roll books. Before we get started as kind of a baseline or whatever in terms of what we bring into this from a background and reading these types of books. I thought I would ask you what's your maybe two or three favorite books like this before we uh, dig into the Judas Priest one. Well, the ultimate one, and I know I've bugged you to read this one a thousand times, is uh, Keith Richards. Right. <laughs> it's, I still haven't read it yet. It's, it's so great. Um, Funny enough, um, one of your previous episodes about um, It's Only Rock and Roll, I had to go back to, wait a second, I remember a story from that. It was a little bit different, but he, he said, uh, although I, I, I ran to the internet to, to see what I could verify, see if my memory was wrong, but I think 
a lot of versions of it are true. Right. <laughs> he, his version is um, Jagger came to him and said, hey, me and David Bowie are working on this really great song. And the band convinced him to steal it from Bowie <laughs> so they could keep it for themselves. <laughs> See, that could very well be as true as what yeah. I had offered. Uh, I, I think, I think, I think both of them are, are they're, they're, yeah, both of them are true or they're true elements for both, for both right. stories. So it's, it's somewhere in between. Uh, but anyway, that one, that one's the ultimate in my opinion. It's, it's, it's got so much. Um, let's see who else. Tommy James's autobiography is very interesting. Okay. Because uh, his record label was owned by the mob. Really? <laughs> Literally, the the owner was was a gangster, and that one was that one's very fascinating. Uh, who else? Uh, I've read a few Bruce, Bruce Dickinson, of course, because <laughs> obviously. Well, yeah. Uh, Howard Caitlin from the Turtles is also a very good one. He's got some. He's he's got a great story about playing uh, for Richard Nixon's uh, daughter, Sweet Sixteen. Oh, what's that uh, story? They they had a bit of a, a difficulty with the Secret Service. I see. <laughs> I, I would not be able to tell the story better than he will, but uh, yeah, that one that one I recommend. I have read some autobiographies in the rock world. I've not read probably as many as you have. I I, I, I do read more books about music or like the 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 Rolling Stone story you you were talking about before. That was from. Uh, Old God's Almost Dead, which is, of course, about the Rolling Stones. I don't typically like autobiographies or even biographies a whole lot just because I always find the beginning so boring. Like, I don't care about your brother and your mom. And that's Okay, I will warn you, Keith Richards is a, a, right. little, a little too much of a childhood. But, I mean, it's their life. But, again, like get to the, get to the road stories. Uh, yeah, exactly. Let's just jump to, on this date, I met Mick Jagger. And let's go from there <laughs> or maybe limit it a little bit. So that's kind of my thing. Not that it's the gold standard or that it was even written because I suspect most of it was just recorded and told to the ghostwriter. <laughs> but uh, Motley Crue's The Dirt is kind of, again, I don't want to say it's the standard, but uh, it's certainly one level all the way to the end of this is a book written by musicians that is absolutely nothing about music. <laughs> and we could talk about that as we get into to the Halford book too. And then I was trying to remember right before we came on, I read a book by, I don't know how to pronounce the author's name, Joe Osterreich or something like that, who was in a band called Watershed. And anyway, it's uh, the name of the book is Hitless Wonder about life in minor league rock and roll. And it's really interesting and uh, one of my favorites as well. I'm writing that down. That that sounds right up my alley. As we trans transfer into Confess, neither one of us mentioned KK Downing's autobiography, which came out a year or two, three ago. Have you read it? I have not. I didn't know it existed. <laughs> I haven't read it either, and now I kind of want to. Mm -hmm. uh, I do too. Because well, I mean, I would have wanted to read it anyway, but Rob's autobiography is about Judas Priest about half the time and is about Rob Halford and his personal life about half the time, as it certainly should be. And I'll just jump in on my kind of beginning thoughts on it. I feel like Rob Halford and I could be friends. <laughs> I know that sounds stupid because, of course, we could be friends. I could be friends with Jimmy Page, too. <laughs> 
you know, everybody else. But Rob Halford comes across, in my opinion, as a really nice, sweet guy, mm-hmm. which is contrary to the image that I had for him. And I like Judas Priest. I haven't liked Judas Priest for as long as I've liked other bands. But my image, at least, of Rob Halford is this is the dude who comes on stage on a motorcycle and is kind of menacing in his look and has the leather and is sort of like Lemmy almost. This is not someone that you would mess with or whatever. Right. And maybe people who have watched a lot of Judas Priest interviews or, or that sort of thing have a completely different perception of him uh, than I had going into it. But I find that probably is not the case whatsoever. What do you think about that? Yeah, well, one thing that did kind of jump out at me is uh, he was so conflict avoidant, he, he talked about. Like yeah. when KK and Glenn Tipton are feuding or mad at each other. He's like, well, that's happening. <laughs> I mean, and like you said, you think, and when he quote unquote left the band, even though that was a giant misunderstanding, I had no idea that happened. I didn't either. Uh, cause it, because he was just going, well, that's not really the way it has happened. I should probably call those guys and talk to them, but he just didn't, which you, you think, especially the singer of the band. I mean, he's the face of the band. He's the front man. He, and he, he comes out and projects that strength, you know, that voice. And like you said, the leather and the motorcycle and all that and the studs and all that. You just think, yeah, this, this dude, <laughs> don't, don't, don't screw with him. Um, yeah. And that story about him leaving Judas Priest, again, that's one of the things I would like to get at least one more perspective on. Yeah. Because, and correct me if I'm misstating what Rob said in the book, but Rob says that when he made his solo album, in part because he was tired of listening to KK and Glenn argue all the time. Uh, he wanted a break. He, he called up and basically was told, oh, you need to quit the band for legal purposes to have a solo career or what have you. He said, okay. Sent out a note, didn't call anybody. Completely avoided oh, facts, didn't he? Yeah, sent a fax out. Well, and then, ten years later, he's still out of Judas Priest <laughs> because they never called. They never talked about it. I assume that story's true. I, I don't. I didn't get a uh, a whole lot from Rob Halford that there were that, that he was uh, uh, coloring the truth or what have you in this. I did see. You know, you and I saw. Judas Priest when they were with Deep Purple a year or two ago. And of course that was pretty late in the book when he talked about that tour. I don't have the exact words in front of me, but the perception that Rob gave or the perception I got from reading the book was that Priest took Deep Purple out. (laughs) When we saw him, Deep Purple played last. Yeah. And, but I think we also, I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but it certainly seemed to me that Judas Priest had more fans there than Deep Purple. I could have, so, yes. It could have been swapped. It could have been Judas Priest saying, we'll go on first out of respect for Purple. So That's my assumption. Yeah, so I will, I will certainly give him a, a pass for that. Were you surprised how thrifty Rob Halford is? Yeah. <laughs> like, shouldn't he be in a mansion or a castle by now? <laughs> he's, still got, he's still got one house from Arizona for 37 years ago. Yeah. Uh, he really likes it, I guess. Uh, <laughs> what did, it's what, interesting that he loved Arizona so much, but I guess I can see that growing up in 
you know, rainy, sooty, disgusting Birmingham. Right. Well, or a know, suburb, not even Birmingham, but a suburb. Like you and I are both from North Carolina. And I, did, I don't know about you, but growing up, I did not know anyone who wanted to move to Florida. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retire to Florida in my no. 60s or whatever. And then you talk to people who come from further up. That's the dream, you know. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Arizona is a nice place. I haven't spent a ton of time there. But when you're coming from the black country of, you know, rainy England, yeah. I'm sure the, the, the desert sun and all that probably was appealing in a lot of ways. So, as I stated at the beginning, the book is kind of half and half in a way. What did you think of the music mix part of it about the about the parts of the albums or anything? Is there anything that stood out to you in there? I enjoyed that. That's that's what I like reading about or about reading those autobiographies, learning. Okay, this is what we were doing. This is what we were thinking or how we felt. So I enjoyed that. I would have liked a little more, but it's his book. He can do what he want with it. Yeah. Uh, it did make me go back and start listening to some of the albums. Cause like, Hey, I haven't listened. Well, I'll wait. What song is he talking about? Oh, track five. <laughs> right. Right. What's your favorite uh, Judas Priest album? Either defenders of the faith or screaming for vengeance. Yeah. Although I, I didn't get to Hellbent for leather, uh, till later. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's probably my favorite. Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's really good. And neither one of us said British Steel, which yeah. I kind of think that he liked, the, you know, I think he sees as their best It's album. really good, too. I mean, it's it's right up there. I just like the others a little bit better. Uh, the British Steel, I think, gets a little bit of uh, negative points for me because I've heard Living After Midnight and uh, Breaking the Law so many times on the radio. Right, right. Uh, kind of skip over that, even though they're great songs, but... They just that's certainly rock radio just beat it to death. Exactly, and I mean that certainly happens. You know, Lord have mercy. I, you know, yeah. rock radio is another episode <laughs> about why and how that happens. I kind of feel the same way. I that's why I like reading these autobiographies. That's what I want to hear the most about. I'm not saying Rob does none of it. There's plenty of it in there. I think, and I I enjoy listening to those parts. But I I could have done with a little more. But from hearing kind of where he was and what his mindset was going into those, knowing that he writes most of the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I think that's probably a little more interesting, at least for me, than to hear about the guitar part or whatever. So that that made it even more enjoyable for me. Again, I could have done with more, but like you said, it's his book. It it made me forgive Turbo a little bit because I know he was just zonked out of his mind. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) on coke and, and booze I'm like okay well yeah because he's going yeah i just half-assed those lyrics <laughs> i listened to it the other day like well you did <laughs> well and not like- are, i mean it is incredibly 80s i mean it's already very very much 80s because of the synth guitars right but the lyrics are also really really 80s <laughs> and Parental i learned from the book and maybe again maybe this is common to huge judas priest fans but that could have been a double album <laughs> we could have <laughs> According to him, they, they want to call it Twin Turbo yeah. and give us two of those. That would have been. Uh, so, you know, that's another thing I wonder. Maybe the maybe the record company saw the writing on the wall on that one. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Painkiller. I know a lot of people, Painkiller's too much for me, and but it's clear to me that 
Rob's very proud of it. He loved it. Yeah, I was a little surprised about that. Yeah, and his solo stuff is a little even heavier than Priest. Mm -hmm. So I guess that that, that jives or, or what have you. Yeah, when, when Painkiller came out to me, it just kind of felt like um, they're trying a little too hard because uh, at that time Metallica was really breaking and Megadeth and Anthrax and Slayer were all coming up. And I, I that just seemed like a reaction to some of the harder stuff that was coming out it, to me. That's that's some really of it works. Yeah, I listened to it last night, and uh, some of it is better than I remember. I that I think that's really insightful because yeah, yeah I, I'd um I don't know if I can say it better than you did. That 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 makes sense though. Hearing you hearing you put it that way, that it doesn't seem quite as organic or what happened yeah, it doesn't sound it doesn't sound like priest like all the other ones like even like point of entry which i agree wasn't as good although better than i remember when i listened to it and stained class and stuff like that it still sounds like judas priest painkiller sounds kind of like judas priest it sounds like more of a more like a fight you know, yeah this is first uh, solo band yeah even though it was all the guys except a new drummer oh, that right which is good <laughs> I remember the first time I put that, or I, I probably saw the video first for Painkiller before I got the tape. <laughs> like, oh my God, this is not Dave Holland. <laughs> Taking aside the music part of Confess, don't you just feel sorry for Rob yes. Halford? Yeah, I really, you, you can feel, yeah. I mean. Really sympathetic. <laughs> you know why? But. Yeah, I, I mean. And I don't think he's wrong. I like all the stuff that he was worried about. Right. I think he's a hundred percent right. I know a lot of some, a lot of the stories. You know, Elf when when I finally did come out, uh, everyone was supportive and did, and didn't care and was wonderful, which is is great. But I really think he is right about all the stuff he was worried about at that time. Yeah. So if anyone doesn't know, Rob Halford is gay and came out on MTV and. What was it like 97 or something like it's that? Late 90s. Yeah. And certainly had lived uh, his life in the closet for years. And obviously a lot of the book is about that. I just feel, I mean, I feel like he wasted so much of his life and I feel so bad about it. And it, especially knowing that as a younger person, I certainly was not. As tolerant. <laughs> I wasn't as advanced in my thinking. Yeah, I, I was reasonable <laughs> and said stupid things and, and oh yeah, uh, things that I obviously would would I regret now. And yeah, as um as I was <laughs> thinking about uh, us recording here, I was going, well, how am I going to say this without just keep doing the Seinfeld? Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? Uh, but I watched. Uh, comedy special on Netflix from Hari Kondabolu and he put it perfectly. He said, yes, I've said homophobic things because I went to middle school. Right. right. <laughs> I was a teenage boy and we said stupid crap. I'm like, that's, that's a good way to put it. Well, I mean, one of the things I wish had been a little more in the book and it's kind of building off what you were talking about. Yeah. I wish there had been a little bit more about the music. I also wish there had been a little bit more about that moment when he came out mm -hmm. because as I insert my own biography here, when I was thinking about doing well disguised, I was like, well, if I'm going to do anything, I got to, I need to write down 12 episodes, 12 ideas for episodes. And some of those I've used and some of them I haven't, and some of them I won't, and maybe some of them I'll come back to. But one of them that I thought about was 
the moment when Rob Halford came out and how the metal community and that sort of thing reacted. And I've seen in just this week, I've seen uh, a couple of the, you know, blabbermouth or some of the live wire some, or whatever those uh, websites are talking about where Rob in a recent interview said he still sometimes gets bullied on the internet, but the book doesn't really say anything specific about this is something that happened to me that was negative. And I don't get a sense. I mean, I've always thought, you know, how great was the metal community that they did not do anything to Judas Priest, but I'm not sure that's the case. I don't know. He didn't name names. And that's one of the things about the book. There's no dirt in here. Yeah, there isn't. You know, it is a very respectful, this is not him settling scores or going after people. He is, um, I mean, there's a little bit of personal things that happened to him. Like when he was, you know, basically raped uh, as a a teenager. But in terms of, (laughs) hey, KK and Glenn, they fought sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) And then KK left the band. Yeah, I wanted more of that. I kind of understand why he didn't because it's not his story to tell, I suppose. I think he probably said, you know what? And there there probably was in the first few edits. Yeah. And I I think, yeah, he seemed very uh, respectful of of other people. Maybe Judas Priest would have sold out 15,000, 17,000, whatever arenas across the United States in the 80s if Rob Halford were out. But I kind of doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I don't know what it would have done to, to Judas Priest. I'm, I'm kind of surprised, again, in the 90s, it doesn't really seem to have had any major effect on him. Not particularly. Although I, he wasn't in Priest, was he? When he? No, you're right. So, and they were kind of floundering with uh, Tim Ripper Owens. Yeah. Which I still, like, like Rob, I have not heard those albums. <laughs> right, right. Anyway, I just, I just feel so sorry for the guy, like in the, the how he had to, you know, cruise trucks, yeah. bathrooms, uh, instead of being I, able I, to enjoy. Yeah, I, I don't think that's the way. Being a rock star. Yeah, that's not the way most rock stars. Yeah, you know, it's like I'll have her, 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 and her, and you know, not the healthier, normal way to live. But I mean, Rob was really in a, I don't know. I just, I just feel sorry for him. Yeah. It's disgusting that he had to do that to himself or felt like he had to do that to himself. Yeah. One of the reasons I want to read KK Dowling's book is now to see if there is, there's gotta be more of that dirt and more of the dynamics mm-hmm. in there. And I don't know if maybe because Rob was off doing things that the other guys in the band weren't doing. Maybe he didn't see or experience it as much, but he certainly seemed like it was part of a brotherhood and good for those guys keeping a secret all those years. Yeah. Uh, like the, he said, the band knew from day one and never said anything like that's surprising to say the least. Yeah. I mean, because it doesn't seem like a good business decision. Yeah. And, and obviously as Rob talked about, he went to, a gay pride parade a time or two and went to gay clubs and that sort of stuff. It's not like he was completely hiding it. I mean, he took, he took chances because I mean, he's killing himself. He's completely repressing like this very important part of his life anyway. So other than well-disguised, how are you liking your favorite, your other favorite podcast, (laughs) get your rocks off with Mick wall. So good. 
<laughs> Those guys are so entertaining. <laughs> Even when they say stuff I don't really 100% agree with, like there's some albums I like more than they do. Right. <laughs> the way they say it. Well, and to bring that back the stories, in. Oh my goodness, the stories. Yeah, and to bring that back in with Judas Priest, uh, excuse me, with Confess, uh, Halford's book, when a British person says, for example, I'm going to listen to me album. <laughs> is that wrong to them? <laughs> is that like some sort of slang that they just have used or is saying, as opposed to saying my album? Because that's one of the things that I think you and I both found delightful about Halford's book, about all the, the slang or the lingo or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the yam yam. Right. And sometimes he would, you know, describe it for us, his American audience, I think. Yeah, which was nice because there, most of the time I could get it, but sometimes I read it four times. Oh, okay, that's what he's saying. Right. But, uh, yeah, Get Your Rocks Off is it's an amazing podcast. I have not listened to the latest one, but I just started laughing when I saw it was about Lars. Oh, oh, you're going to love it. They, they, they do Lars's accent and obviously you will, you will pause it a few times because you're laughing. At well, for anyone out there who uh, is listening to my, my podcast, always subscribe to it first and listen to it first. But then if you want to listen to a really good podcast, listen to get your rocks off with Mick wall. Who's, you know, maybe the dean of uh, hard rock writing, I suppose, or certainly up there. And what's his co-host name? Um, uh, John. Oh goodness, I don't know what it is, but he's he's as good as Mick. Yeah, I mean, he is. Funny, he really is. Uh, it's That's a really they, uh, one of their stories about Bruce Dickinson kind of contradicted his autobiography. Well, not really contradicted, but uh, he had said for the Somewhere in Time album, he decided he wasn't going to write any songs. Yeah. What did they say? <laughs> and Mick and John said <laughs> it was at a party and Dickinson had an acoustic guitar and was playing all these new songs he'd written for the new album. And uh, Mick went and talked to Steve Harris about it. I was like, what? What kind of songs is he talking about? <laughs> Somewhere in time comes out and zero songwriting credits to Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> well, so I have... he was an unreliable narrator in some parts of his book. Well, yeah, that may be, and I. But Maybe I, it was not his decision. I think, uh, I think Nick and John, as we're calling him, mm -hmm. uh, I think they may be sometimes. I think they've forgotten a few things over when I've listened to them too, like when they told the story about Vince Neil kicking <laughs> or punching Izzy Stradlin or whatever, and about why that happened. Although they may be right, I don't know. Uh, I've certainly heard that story slightly differently, but. Regardless, it's a hysterical podcast, and it's it really is. as I told you uh, uh, by text. I grew up for a long time in my life thinking it couldn't be better than to be <laughs> David Lee Roth, but now at forty-five years old, maybe being Mick Wall would have been just fine. <laughs> being a little on the sidelines, but getting to watch all this craziness and then laugh and joke about it with really smart people and friends. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this on Friday the 13th. Have you listened? Yeah, Friday 13th, 2020. Have you listened to the new ACDC yet? Not yet, no. Well, happy ACDC release day, Dave. Okay, I've heard the... Didn't they release a single? They've released one. Video? Yeah. I think they've actually maybe released two songs at this point. I, um, I've kind of hold, held off on the second one just to take it all in at once and... So I will, I will be doing that shortly, but anyway, 
thanks again for coming on. I really Thank appreciate you for having it. Me. And we will do this again. And uh, so thanks. See you, man. All right. <laughs> All right. That's my conversation with Dave. Again, I appreciate him coming on the show. I appreciate him buying the book and reading it and talking about it with me. I hope you've enjoyed it. Again, I would encourage you to pick up Confess. If you're listening to this podcast, you're either a member of my family, a friend of mine, or you would really enjoy it. Confess was written for people like us. If you're listening to the show, you should check it out. All right. You can find me at Twitter at well underscore disguised or on the web at welldisguised.com. Now, I've got four five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts and two reviews, one of which looks a little suspicious, I'll be honest. But anyway, I'd really appreciate more of those. The more ratings and reviews, the more those internal algorithms will push and promote the podcast. And call me self-absorbed, but I'd really like it if more rock fans were able to find it. But that's it. Thanks again so much for listening, and I'll see you again soon. And be careful out there.